Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of GC Live Talking Tuesday Night, presented by Clint Hammond of the Movement Mortgage Network. As always, I'm Mike Yuvin. Alongside me is Intern Joe. Intern Joe, we heard from Shane Beamer today. Going back to last week, we had an opportunity to hear from some of the players. We also had a chance to be able to hear from some of the positional coaches. We will get into that today. We'll also look ahead. As far as what could be this week and some things to keep an eye out on the recruiting front. But I want to begin today going back to last week, intern Joe. I want to go back to last week. Some of the things that Shane Beamer said, some of the things that the player said, and we had a chance to talk about Beamer last Tuesday. But one thing I really want to bring up, really want to bring up is Torian Gray. Okay. Because when you look at what South Carolina needs to do from a defensive standpoint, how many times have we copped on here? We've talked so much about offense. Defensively, in turn, Joe, okay, we've seen the improvements over the last couple of years. There's still areas they can get better at, no question, right? Some of the missed tackles. You look at leading the SEC in takeaways the last two years. And a lot of that has to do with, number one, Clayton White, but Torian Gray and the ability to be able to coach these guys up in the secondary. Yeah, Mike, I mean, we have we've talked about it a little bit, but I think now it's really coming into fruition um, how big of a piece of the staff Torian Gray really is. Um, we've seen, you know, the pipeline that's starting to, to develop between the NFL and South Carolina in terms of defensive backs. Um, this year is going to be really fun to see where Cam Smith and Darius Rush end up. Um, you had Israel McQuamu, J.C. Horn. Um, obviously, those were previous years, but um, you know, Torian Gray is doing a really, really good job of getting here. This in this regime, this Beamer regime, um, and continuing that pipeline, um, doing a really good job of you know having guys ready to step up. To you know, Cam Smith and Darius Rush, those holes are going to be big holes, big shoes to fill, big holes to fill. So, um, and I mean, personally, I think, you know, there are more than enough guys to fill those shoes right now and, and plenty of guys to step up into it with, with a whole lot of talent coming out of that position group, Mike. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted to begin the show there is because again, we do these shows every Tuesday night and last week we had an opportunity to hear from the defensive players and hearing Nick Eamon worry talk specifically about Torian Gray and how he does everything he can to build relationships with you off the field. Now, look, I've shared some things from, from being a former player and I'm sure you could talk to other players. That's part of it, but there's other coaches that you could tell, right? We, how many times have we talked about with coaches today 
about being able to read BS. Like you can hear, you know, I mean, you don't even have to be a player just in life. We can read BS now more than ever. So I say that because if we can do that in just everyday life, going down to 16, 17, 18 years old, and they can sniff that off out through the recruiting process. And especially when they're being coached by you, they're going to be able to tell that right from the jump. So to hear Nick say that a guy that's going into his second year in the program, I, I think it speaks volumes. And I think that is where gray has been able to do a phenomenal job. Whether you think about the relationships he's been able to build in such a short period of time with a guy like Jalen Foster, helping him becoming all American. And again, Obviously, the talent has to be there. I don't want to take anything away from a guy like Jalen Foster or a guy like, you know, Cam Smith. Cam was going to be good regardless. Okay. Go yeah. back to, you know, his freshman year, his the the growth from freshman to sophomore year during the during the Will Muschamp era. He was going to be talented regardless. But I all I truly believe that Gray was able to help him take it to the next level. Think of a guy like Darius Rush. You think of a guy like Carlin's Patel going back to last year. The guys that he's had a short period of time to work with. So I say that because how do you break through? How do you break through to be able to earn trust so that these players truly believe you in, in terms of what you're trying to tell them to do so that when they go out on the field, they can do their 111. And that's what we've been able to see over the last two years. So I bring that up because you look at the competition that's going on in the secondary right now. We've hit on it before, intern Joe, being able to have some of these younger guys, whether it be um, old Donald Fortune, um, you look at what they have been able, a guy like him, what he was able to do in the Gator Bowl and being able to have an opportunity to work with Gray over the last couple of years, how much that can help as he heads into another season in the third season, of course, under Gray. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I just said, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see who steps up this year. I think we have a really good idea of who is going to step up, um, especially DB. And one thing, Mike, like coming from this program, I mean, they talk about it all the time. There really is no BS. Um, they, they're, they're all really straight up. So you kind of know, um, makes our job easy. That's, that's for sure. We don't really have to decipher um, what guys are saying that much. But, you know, I really haven't picked up on any, any guys trying to, you know, give any hidden messages or anything like that. Everybody's really, really straight up with just kind of everything. Um, and so we can certainly tell that, you know, Torian Gray is doing his job well and certainly making an impact on a lot of these guys. Yeah. And again, BS, people can read it. Yeah, exactly. You don't you, you don't have to be a friggin, you know, 40 year old, 50 year old guy with a friggin suit on it in an office. All right. I mean, look, I'll tell you right now, <laughs> everyone that's on here, whether it be a working standpoint, whether it be just everyday life, you can read BS. You can read BS, and I don't know if it's because social media, there's just so much BS out there, and we're around it now more than ever, that we're more, I don't know, in touch with being able to read BS. just feels that way. But these student athletes, they certainly can read it. So that's why I wanted to, <clears throat> I wanted to start with that. Where South Carolina is right now, there's seven practices in. Saturday will be their first scrimmage. There's a couple things that I'm interested in being able to see, intern Joe, that obviously we won't be able to physically see. We'll have to wait and hear from Beamer and the players on how things went. But one thing that I asked Beamer today, I think that is interesting because we've talked about the offensive line over the last, shoot, a couple months, really, uh, going back to that Gator Bowl. Nick Gargiulo, 
Now, if you asked me about a month ago, two months ago, I would have said, all right, yeah, he's going to be the center. And I still feel like that could be very well the case. But when you look at the strengths and weaknesses of the other guys around him, and I asked Beamer this today, how much of it is more about the strengths and weaknesses of the guys around Gargiulo in comparison to what he does best? And what I'm trying to get at is if Gargiulo is really good, like you know he can be a center, really good center, but you have other guys on on the line that might play that position better. Is it better for the team to put him at guard? Or if there's guys that can play guard better than him, or a tackle position. So I bring that up because I think right now that is one of the things to keep an eye on that South Carolina truly doesn't know what they're going to do about the offensive line. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think being able to have that versatility, like we've seen, you think about it more so from a defensive back standpoint, right? Cam Smith, perfect example. He can play, def- he can play corner. He can play nickel. With Gargiulo, he can do a little bit of everything. He can play a little bit of everything. Obviously, that center position, you need someone that understands what the hell you're doing. You need to have someone very smart there. And I'm not saying that by not having him here uh, or another guy can't play that position, but certainly he brings the football IQ as well as just high IQ in general since he was coming from you. Yeah, Mike. I mean, Beamer did give you a pretty good response today about Gargiulo and just everything he's really about. Um, you know, just talked about his flexibility, his ability to play guard too. Um, and it, it was a really, really good answer, really solid answer from him. Just kind of talking about exactly what you just said, you know, him being a smart enough football player to be able to do both really, you know, everyone I think coming in assumed he was going to be the starting center, but now with um, just kind of the recent mm-hmm. talks, Sounds like he's going to play whatever they need, and and you know that that, that adds up. Um, to be quite honest with you, you know, coming from Yale, the, the whole captain narrative and everything like mm-hmm. that, you know, Gargiulo is a big body, a big force. Um, he will do whatever it takes for this team, and obviously, he has enough talent to be in the starting lineup. Whether it do be at center, whether it do be at guard, I I don't think you know. I think he could start at either or. Um, now it's just the question of, you know is this a better unit when you are starting somebody else at center and you're starting somebody else at guard? And I think that's not a, a ding on Gargiulo's ability to play center. I think it might just be, you know, cause we know how limited this offensive line is. Um, and, and we've talked about that Mike for weeks and weeks and weeks on the show, but I think it's, it's just a, a matter of the combination, right? If you're going to be able to, you know, get the right guard guys in there at guard um, and, and just the right, cause you, you, Beamer listed a bunch of guys. I'm trying to pull it up. Um, the, the the list of guys that he said we're running with the ones. It was about five mm-hmm. or six guys. I'm pulling it up right <laughs> now. I'll, I'll pull it up once I'm done with this point. But I, I think, you know, it's just – it's a matter of just you got to find the right guys, the right combination of guys. And it's all about – I mean, Mike, we talk about it week in, week out, the morale side of things too. Um, you know, you need guys to be comfortable where they're playing and stuff like that. And so if, if it means Tyshawn Wanamaker – is more comfortable at, I believe, center. He plays center. If it means Wanamaker is more comfortable at center and he he gives you the best look at that and then you move Gargiulo over to guard, then so be it. You know, I don't I don't think it's because Gargiulo is, um, you know, not as good at center. Um, I think it's just a matter of you got to find that right combination, that winning combination in terms of the O-line. Yeah, we've seen Vershawn Lee out there as well um, yeah. from, from some of my time being out there during practice and we'll have an opportunity – 
I believe on Thursday is the next opportunity to be able to view practice. So those are some of the things I was thinking of today. Um, intern Joe, anything that stand out that stood out to you from what Beamer said today? Anything? Uh, again, it was one of those press conferences yeah. that at this point, and you pray to God. I mean, th- you hope you have a press conference like that today, right? I mean, here we are, a couple of practices in. You hope that there's nothing major to report on. You hope that there's no injuries to report on. Is there anything that stood out, though, in turn, Joe? No, I mean, it just seemed like housekeeping pretty much. Um, I thought, you know, obviously, like Beamer being the, the guy that he is, shouted out the women's basketball team as he does, um, <laughs> you know, at the beginning. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, nothing really. It was kind of just housekeeping, you know, run-of-the-mill spring ball um, presser, um, nothing really that stood out to me a whole lot um, other than, you know, there was one thing that did stand out to me, the quote about the quarterback from Connecticut that can help recruit an <laughs> offensive lineman from South Carolina. Um, I'm working on a story for, for Gamecock Central coming out here, um, I think relatively soon. Not sure when we're going to pub it, but um, yeah. So I, I think that was really interesting. Um, and, and it's, we can talk about that, Mike. I mean, just, after we get to some housekeeping stuff here. Um, but I mean, just like, it's really, really fun to see how much, you know, this class recruits itself and, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun, but yeah, I mean, other than that, like I, I, nothing really stood out to me. Um, I, I did think it was cool about the new hire as well. Um, I want to get, let's get, let's get right into that. Intern say, Joe. Yeah. Cause uh, big red says uh, who's the new hire in the football staff. I saw an article in passing. He's supposedly another NFL guy. That is exactly the case. Big red. And he goes by the name of Sean Ryan. He spent the last 15 years in the NFL and uh, he'll join the staff. He'll join the staff in somewhat of a role. That is what Beamer explained to be similar to what Freddie kitchens did a year ago. And, and I say that, you know, take that for what it's worth. Don't put that in stone like exactly what he did, you know, meaning Freddie Kitchens is exactly what Sean Ryan's going to do. I mean, the the beauty about analyst roles are that you can you can have flexibility with them. It's kind of like Gumby. I mean, you can pull it in eight different directions. You don't just have to have it like like a cookie cutter, you know. So I, I think I think being able to have him on staff is tremendous. Number one, because you have another set of eyes, another set of eyes that has done it at the NFL level. And how many times have we talked about over the last couple months with the number of hires South Carolina has made with some type of NFL tie, some type of NFL tie over the last two years, being able to do that again, I truly believe this. I remember asking Beamer about this, say, I don't know. First week of February, maybe that's when it was, but I I truly believe having that number of guys on staff with NFL experience can help when you talk about recruiting, because at the end of the day, yes. Are you going to be able to go toe to toe from an NIL standpoint? If another school's throwing X amount of dollars at player, whoever it's going to be challenging. I mean, you look at the case of Nicholas Harbor, right? I mean, people are going to fall in love with the program, fall in love with the place. And, it's never going to be the exact same, right? Like Harbor situation, I'll never compare that to another player. I mean, it's tough. You can't compare two player situations ever to be the same. But a school can throw money at you. But then you look at another school and you look at the development part of it. 
And if you feel like they can get you to that next level, again, that's why I don't want to compare it to Harbor because Harbor's got other stuff going on, track and field. He could be running in the Olympics one day. But from strictly a football standpoint, if you have a bunch of coaches on staff with NFL experience, which we know other coaches throughout the country are coaching at other colleges with NFL experience, but the number of coaches on this staff, right? It's not like there's only two guys or three guys on staff with NFL experience. There's a handful of guys, right? I mean, you go down the list, offense, defense. I mean, my goodness, Torian Gray, we were talking about him, his experience in the NFL. So I bring that up in turn, Joe, because I just think that can help you from a recruiting standpoint. But number two, and this is the more important one, I'd say is the number one one, guys like Spencer Rattler, guys that are currently here right now, it can help them because there's just another set of eyes out there. And I think that can only help this year's team when you think about the present. Because, again, an analyst, you don't know how long they're going to be here. Freddie Kitchens, he was here just for one year. And from everything that I was told, he did a great job here. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the staff go after a lot of NFL guys, and we've talked about it, you know, how how important that is. And I mean, my take on this whole thing is like, you know, it, it gives the advantage where it goes to areas where NIL cannot, right? When you're promising, mm-hmm. you know, like the bigger schools are promising all these big dollar figures. Well, when you have a staff full of NFL guys, you know, it, it basically says we have the coaches that will get you to that next level where it doesn't, you know, money doesn't won't matter as much, you know, you'll, you'll be taken care of regardless. So I think, you know, it's another, another set of eyes. You're right, Mike. Um, you know, another set of experience or another set of experience, um, if you will. And, you know, he, uh, he worked with a lot of good quarterbacks in the NFL, kind of a similar track with Dowell. And I, I, I believe it was one of Dowell's guys that he wanted on staff. Um, so I, I would trust that as well, you know, make Dowell feel comfortable with, with his guys in the room as well. Um, so good hire. Um, and I think, you know, Freddie Kitchens is a great example of just kind of the impact that he made last year. Um, we saw the offensive line play definitely improve. So um, I'm excited to see, you know, what impact he can have. And, you know, it'll, it'll, I think it's a really good hire, to be honest, just to, for Dowell's sake, you know, yeah. for his comfort level, you know, making him feel comfortable. And and again, it, it's always better when you have some of your guys in, in the lab with you working. Um, so I, I think it's a big hire in terms of that. And I'll, I'll share a post or link, excuse me, to the article that Colin Taylor wrote today has a little bit more background if you guys want to get to know Sean Ryan a little bit more. But um, to sum him up just a little bit, you know, Billy O'Brien, who was the offensive coordinator last year at the University of Alabama, he's back with the New England Patriots. He worked for years under Bill Belichick and obviously worked alongside Tom Brady. But going back to the 90s, Billy worked alongside um, Shane Beamer when they were at Georgia Tech together. So – I believe that's what Beamer said today. Um, But Billy, of course, NFL hopped around. Actually, an alum of my high school. How about that? Um, Here we go. But um, with Billy, though, he worked alongside this guy, Sean Ryan. Ryan uh, was most recently with the Carolina Panthers with the team's quarterbacks coach. Also was with the Lions, Texans, Giants. Um, In addition to that, quality control and receivers coach, for the Giants, and he also had um, a stop in Houston, spent some time at Harvard as a running backs coach, recruiting coordinator, was at Columbia, 
Boston College, Colgate, Albany. So I bring that up because, again, I don't know what Sean Ryan's role will be, number one, outside of some of the things you think are the obvious, which is, all right, you know, probably help out with the quarterbacks a little bit, oversee some of the offensive stuff. But when I say what his role will be, more so long-term, is this just a plug-it-in, one-year kind of deal? Right. Because if he is here a little bit longer, based on some of the things that we talked about, I know that Pete Lumbo has done a phenomenal, a phenomenal job with being able to recruit that Northeast. And when I say the Northeast, I'm not even just talking about Massachusetts, Connecticut. I'm just talking about working your way up that way. Right. You know, you think about the Virginias and you're just heading up that way, the D.C. area. And then they have some other coaches that work that area. I bring that up because. What we're seeing with South Carolina is they're really expanding when it comes to recruiting. You need to be good in order to do that. All right. You can't just be a team that, you know, slaps a couple slogans inside your building on the walls and say, all right, this is what we're going to do. You know, no, you got to be about it. And South Carolina hasn't just talked about it the past two years. They've been about it. So that's why I feel like having a guy like this can help you from a recruiting standpoint. What we got here, intern yeah. Joe? Uh, Mac and Dino asking, hey, Mike, do you think it's we're, we're making too much of the running back position? I think running back is the only position on the field where you can get creative enough to lack if it's the case and still be a good team. I agree with this take, um, if you don't mind me taking this question on. Yeah, take it, intern Joe. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, Beamer gave a really good response um, about the whole running back question. Today, you know, he kind of listed the platoon that they got going with Juju, Mario, and, and DK. But, I mean, I think Mac and Dino are, are right on. I think, you know, the platoon, a lot of good teams have had platoon, um, you know, running games. And it's only when, you know, you see one running back break out. I mean, it's and that's when they're a run-heavy team. And I don't necessarily think this offense with – when you have all the firepower and Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells and – and all of the weapons that they have at wide receiver, um, you know, I don't think it's going to be a, a thousand yard rusher season, to be quite honest with you. Uh, so I, I love this take. And, and Mike, what do you, what you think? I think right now when we look at the running back position, especially when you think about the history of USC and how they have been able to produce some really talented guys, some really talented guys. And you don't even have to go all the way back to the, Marcus Lattimore's or even go back to the George Rogers in the 1980s. I'm talking about over the last couple of years. Look at a guy like Kevin Harris, right? Leads the SEC in Russian who's with the New England Patriots right now. So I bring that up because I think it has been natural just to look at USC over the last couple of years. And it's just like, all right, who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be that guy? I think with how South Carolina is built right now and a lot of it, a lot of what we're talking about right now is going to be decided by how good the offensive line is, right? Run blocking, mm-hmm. offensive, I mean, pass blocking just in general. How is the blocking? So putting that off to the side, assuming that will be okay, which obviously is a big if. I understand there's a lot of guys that are returning from last year's offensive line. You're losing some key guys, but you have guys that, when I say you're returning, you have experience. And we've mentioned this stat before. We'll go down the list in terms of the number of starts last year with the guys that are coming back. But if they can figure that out, this offense truly, in my opinion, is built to throw the football. They're, they're built to throw the football. You look at number one, your starting quarterback. 
you look at the tight ends that they have, and yes, there's some question marks in that tight end room from a experience standpoint. But I do feel like we will see a lot of two tight end sets. I do believe we're going to see some receivers out there that can really stretch the field. And I also think Dow Loggins is going to put them in a position to be able to succeed from a passing standpoint. If you're able to do that, if you're able to do that, that's going to open up the run game. I don't think we're going to see a guy like Juju McDowell go out there and run the ball 25 times. Might have 25 touches, as we've mentioned on this program, whether that be in the passing game, you know, being able to get him the ball out in, out in space in addition to being able to get some carries. But I think what you'll see with this running back room, going back to what you said, yeah, it will be by committee. And that's not something that I would look at and be like, oh, my God, they don't have a guy. No, I mean, that's just – it's not even college football. That's where football really is right now, just on all levels. I mean, high school football, you might – yeah, you might have a guy that just – you know, I get that. But even look at the NFL. Even look at the NFL. A lot of these teams are by committee. There's going to be outliers, right? There's going to be your outliers with 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 a guy like um, – goodness – Help me out here. Uh, Titans running back. Alabama guy. Derrick Henry. This is what happens when you get old there, intern Joe. You think of a guy like Derrick Henry, you think of a guy like Derrick Henry, you think about there's going to be outliers, though. There's going to be outliers. But for the most part, for the most part, you're seeing by committee. And the other thing, too, is I think some of these, these college running backs, they're starting to smarten up a little bit, and they realize, like, shit, why am I going to take, you know, 25 carries and just get my body just beat i'm I'm just get get beat the crap out of me right and then come time for the nfl it's going to take away from me i know people don't want to hear that right now you want to think okay they're going to do whatever they can to help the team right now let's be let's be honest with ourselves though let's be honest with ourselves although we all want to say the goal is to win a national championship a lot of these guys their goal is to be able to play at the next level and i don't blame them I do not blame them. And I'm not saying that they have to be separate in terms of goals. But if they want to go play at the next level, they're going to be thinking about some of that stuff in the back of their heads. So I just bring that up because DK, Anderson, you're also seeing, of course, uh, Juju in the mix. And who knows? Who knows? One of these walk-ons that is in that room from the last couple of years, maybe they make a difference. Maybe there's a guy, though, in the portal in the next couple weeks, once that opens up, that South Carolina is able to bring in. And, of course, you know, you have Dontavious Braswell, the true freshman coming out of Georgia, the speedster. What could his role be, especially if that room is thin and they don't bring someone in from the transfer portal uh, in the next couple weeks in turn, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. And I liked your point about, you know, the offensive line, about how strong it might be. You know, I think that's a really good point on how much they run the ball. And, I mean – I think this offensive line is going to be good enough to run the ball quite a lot, especially with Gargiulo at the helm um, leading that group. But uh, I guess pivoting back to the offensive line, I found – so it, the, the seven guys that uh, Beamer brought up was Jalen Nichols, Nick Gargiulo, Ja'Kai Moore, Trey Jones, Tyshawn Wanamaker, Marky Anderson was the name that stuck out to me and the reason why I'm bringing that up. And he also brought up Brian Brubaker, um, another guy that, you know, Gamecock fans have probably been wondering, like, where where's Brubaker been? How's his development been? Beamer was really high on that. So uh, I I think, you know, this offensive line is going to be really, really, really good, um, you know, in terms of the expectations that 
we're set for it at, at um, you know, the beginning of the year, you know, considering all of the losses that, you know, it, it saw. I, I think it's starting to shape up to be better than, than was expected. So um, I, I, that, that was the list of guys I wanted to bring that back up um, before, before we got away from it. Uh, there's a couple of the things I want to hit on here from the comment section. We appreciate you guys sending your comments in. So send them along. Keep sending them all in. We will get that answered for you guys. Um, one thing that I do want to bring up, though, before we take a quick break and get to our ad reads, it, it's uh, it's good news. It's not the most shocking news in the world, um, but it's something to definitely bring up is that Jordan Strawn has officially, officially been cleared by the NCAA for a seventh year of eligibility. That's massive. Now, again, if you've been following Gamecock Central, Wes has been talking about it, Chris has been talking about it. This isn't something that was shocking. But when you hear the word official, right, when something is officially done, it's always good to hear. So a guy like Strawn, as I've mentioned before, I can't look at him heading into this season and just say, all right, my expectations for Strawn are the same as they were a year ago. I had high expectations for him last year. I thought he was going to lead the team in sacks. That was my prediction going back to our preseason predictions last season. Do I feel like that will be the case this year? No. But I feel like anything you can get from him is going to be the cherry on top. And the reason I say that is, because he's gone through so many injuries and it's a similar situation with Terrell Dawkins. I mean, when you look at that room, that edge room, the defensive ends USC right now, we talk about being thin, they're injury prone. I mean, that's just the, the, the sad truth. And as much as I'd want to see these guys have success and I hope they do. And I loved, I absolutely loved the answer that Dawkins gave me last week when I asked him about that mentality. Because when you're coming back from an injury, natural, it's natural to come back and you're thinking about it, especially a lower body injury. Every time you make a cut, every time you're about to engage with someone, especially at the edge position, you're going to be engaging with guys off and on, whether it be a tight end, whether it be a tackle. So I bring that up because being able to, overcome that mental hurdle quickly quickly is not easy but the situation for both Dawkins and a guy like Strawn in turn Joe they don't have a freaking choice they don't have a choice especially Strawn doesn't have a choice this is it you want to go play in the next level here's your here's your opportunity and I know it sucks because again what he was doing last year before he got hurt against Arkansas he very well was going to lead the team in sacks and he probably would have had a tremendous season. And we've talked to him about him the last couple of weeks getting ready for the NFL draft. That's not the case right now. That's not the case. And instead, he has to come back here and not only prove that he's healthy and can move around and do all these things, but at the same time, too, prove to scouts that he can still be as talented as he was before he got hurt. And I know that some people are going to be like, oh, just worry about playing here. I get that. I'm just saying there's extra motivation. Every guy has some type of extra motivation. That's going to be another. I don't know all the motivations he has. That's going to be another one. Because, again, 
having that dream to go play in the NFL, it was there for him. And unfortunately, he had a really, really horrific injury week two last season. Yeah, I I think the potential for Jordan Strawn is, you know, the ceiling is the roof, if you will. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, we've seen what he can do um, defensively when he's healthy. So it's a matter of if he can be fully healthy and, and fully ready to go. Um, and I, I mean, leading the team in sacks is probably out of the question, but it's, it's not out of the potential, if you know what I'm saying. Like, you know, there's always the chance if he is healthy, he can definitely go do it. But, uh, you know, it, the, the reality of it is probably not. But um, I, I think he's a really, 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 really good player when healthy um, and was competing for the starting job against a, a Jordan Birch when he was healthy. Uh, so I, I think, you know, again, he's got to get healthy and, and got to play like he is fully healthy. But, yeah, he having him back is such a big piece and – if you can figure out, oh, you know, get him. Obviously, you don't want to overwork him in, in spring ball, and you obviously don't want to overwork him in summer ball. But you know, get him, get him feeling good. Um, and and again, like I said, his potential is crazy when he's healthy. Speaking about potential, if you guys want to buy a home, well, Clint Hammond, he believes in you. He sees the potential. Give him a call over at the Mortgage Network. He'll get you all situated, help you find the lowest rates, and make that process a hell of a lot easier for you. He did that for our own Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth. That number to call, 803-576-4450. Once again, that is Clint Hammond over at the Mortgage Network, longtime sponsor of Gamecock Central's GC Live. And today's program, Intern Joe, is also brought to you by our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Yeah, Mike, it's tax season. Tax anxiety is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax, fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team. Make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated staff by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 9 to 9 on weekdays, 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, their number is 803 462 Five five seven six. Give them a call for all of your tax needs, as it is almost April, Mike. Tax season, as it is. Do you know that date, intern Joe? I know. I just want to see how much they're teaching you no over idea. at USC. No clue. I'm not a Darla Moore kid. Unbelievable. April sixth. Uh, no. I'll, I'll give. I'll give you. You're close. Yeah. You should get the right month. April eighteenth. April 18th. 18th, yeah. Okay, that makes there you sense. There go. Yep. yep. What do you I mean that follow. makes sense? How, I, what do you mean that makes sense? You just said it makes sense. How does that make sense? I mean, it makes sense that it's 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 April because it, it's always tax season in April. Um, but, but, I mean, no, it, it makes sense because, uh, you know, my, my folks are hounding me because I have a couple tax returns sitting in my mailbox that I got to scan and send back my my return from the Masters last year. <laughs> I don't know how much. I I'll tell you what. Money. I'll tell you what, something that would be interesting. It might not sound interesting the way that I bring this up, 
Uh, but I'll have to talk with Wes and Chris. I think it would be an interesting story to do. Um, I'm throwing story ideas out there. Let the competitors get it. Um, talking with some of these players, though, with having to deal with NIL, because some mm, of these guys are going to be – I mean, shoot, they might be having to deal with uh, taxes over the last couple of years, but now – depending on some of the deals, like you think of a guy like to carry on Joyner or a guy like Spencer Rattler. Now they're dealing with, you know, some, some pretty big taxes, right? I mean, filling out some stuff. We're talking about some big money there. So, um, Oh yeah. I'd be interested. I mean, I, it's been interesting to hear guys like, you know, Rattler talk about learning the process and NIL and realizing like, Oh shoot. You know, it's not just about just getting some money. Like, yeah, you're you're getting some real money now, son. Like, you're gonna have to pay some taxes uh, in the end. So, Uncle Sam's gonna be finding you. So, again, might not sound like the the sexiest story in the world, but I just think we talk about nil and the reality of it. I think uh, for some of these players, especially each year, the reality is, oh shoot, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna pay some money um, in the end. That is uh, something to keep an eye on um intern joe let's go and look at some of the questions i know you highlighted a couple i got a couple yep why don't you bring on that up i'm gonna flip over one of our banners i apologize that the um yeah there we go we got the nil one on the bottom intern joe we got here we got instead of our running setting up the pass could our passing game set up the run yeah i think that's the point yeah Inter and Joe and Big Red, they go together. They go together. If, if any, I don't know if you've, have you seen the movie Big Daddy? No, I haven't. Jesus it's on Christ. Netflix right now, too. And I, I was, Jesus. I almost, Mike, I almost watched it the other night, too. So it's funny you bring that up. Unbelievable. So you won't get the reference, but they go together like lamb and tuna fish. Um, I've heard it before, yeah. You know, so I, I say that because. God, you're killing me, intern Joe. Yeah, yeah. Feeling way too old. You don't even know. I know, and it's, it's a Sandler movie, so I, so I need to have watched. Unbelievable. It. I, know, I know. I know. The point being is, how many times we've talked about being able to run the ball well, to get guys to come down the box, to be able to set the passing game right. If you're able to do that, it's going to open up passing lanes because a safety is going to have to come down to help out in the run, and that's going to free up opportunities over the top whether that be zero coverage whether that only be one high safety it's going to be able to help up uh, open up those passing lanes we saw that last year we saw that last year and what it looked like when South Carolina wasn't able to run the football look how different it was look at how they weren't able to really do anything from a passing standpoint especially early on in the year in some of those tougher games they weren't able to get the passing game. They weren't able to get the run game going, so they struggled passing wise. If they're able to throw the football as well as what, again, a lot of it's going to depend on how the offensive line is and how much protection they get. Because I, I don't know, come week one, you're going to play UNC. Mac Brown might just say, "Screw it, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be sending the dogs after Rattler. I'm just going to be putting pressure on them after pressure and." They're going to have to prove, meaning USC, they're going to have to prove that they can stop the pass rush. And if they can do that, okay, then we go from there. If they can get the passing game going, though, in turn, Joe, right? What's going to happen? Well, shoot, they might have to throw another defensive back out there. They might have to move another guy out there. And because of that, 
instead of having a linebacker that can help defend the run, you might have a guy that's a little bit smaller who has some speed out there to defend the passing game. And that can help free up the running game a little bit. So, again, it goes hand in hand. And I think with South Carolina this year, I think the pass, the the success of their passing attack will ultimately be able to help them get their run game going. Yeah, um, I think, you know, you and Big Rat are hitting it right on the nose. Um, I think the goal is, you know, to get the passing game going early and often. Like I said, you have so many weapons in the passing game. It's it's kind of kind of unfair, but I mean, you know, it's with the situation at running back, like we talked about, um, you know, you kind of have to rely on that platoon. Um, you know, I think you have to use the passing game to set up the run even though the typical pro style is run the ball and then you pass. But I think this offense is going to be a little bit more dynamic than that. Um, By the way, Dowell has been talking about it, by the way, everyone else has been talking about it, but yeah, I I think you want the passing game to set up the run, um, but you do want to establish a consistent run game every game though. Right. Like like I'm I'm trying to be a little bit of a devil's advocate here. Uh, Well, you can't be a one trick pony. Yes, exactly. Think of it. Think of it. Think of a youth basketball player. That's why I always compare it to. Think of a youth basketball player, little Johnny out there, and all little Johnny can do is dribble with his right hand. Well, think back to youth basketball. What would your coach say? Stay on his right hand. Stay on his right hand. Force him to go left. If all you can do is yeah, throw the football, I mean, it, it makes it a hell of a lot easier because they're just going to be the defensive line. When they know that you're just going to keep passing, ask any good defense. I mean, I don't even ask a good defense. Ask any defensive lineman. All they got to do is put their freaking hand in the dirt and just take off. So, again, you have to be able to throw that change up. You have to be able to run the football. Uh, but, I, but I think it's going to be a, a the pass will be able to open up their run game. Usually you're talking about the run game being able to open the passing game. I just think based on what we know yeah. of South Carolina right now, until we see some type of success from the running backs, maybe it is the spring game. I think they're going to be working backwards, at least, again, right now. Yeah, I like working backwards as a, as a point. Um it's, I mean, it's as simple as this, right? Like you can't get to like the second quarter throwing the ball and just having a bunch of empty drives, three and outs with a bunch nope. of completions. That's just not, I mean, you can't do that. You can't get to the second quarter with a bunch of stalled out drives by throwing the ball. I mean, so you have to run the ball a little bit, get the feet on the ground, let the, the offensive lineman block. And I mean, I've heard, I mean, like, you know it as well as I do, offensive linemen do enjoy run blocking because they get to get downhill. They get to pull, just blow somebody up. favorite. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you, you just you can't have a bunch of incompletions early on in the first half because then, I mean, you're just going to get buried in games. So I, I think obviously the passing game is going to set up the run, but you have to establish a, a good running game because a consistent running game because it's the SEC. It's the best conference in football and it's based on, you know, you got to have a good running attack if you want to throw the ball. We saw what Tennessee did last year. They were nothing when you couldn't get the run game going. We watched, I mean, Mike, you watched the Tennessee game against South Carolina last year when they couldn't get the run game going. They were doing exactly what I said, like, you know, a bunch of, a couple stalled out drives where, where they were throwing the ball all over the place and had a bunch of incompletions. That's what led to, you know, the eventual burying of, of Tennessee when they were at Williams Bryce. So you, you have to establish a run game and get it going fluid consistent all of the good stuff um but yeah no i i I like big red's take you know the passing game is going to open up the run game but i i I think you know it's going to be vice versa too um it's going to work cohesively um and i think that's what dal is trying to do here 
Um, but next question from Carolina, Joey, anything on Lynn and Samson progression? So the only thing I have right now on Landon Sampson is that he has been getting more reps, and this even goes back to the Gator Bowl. And the biggest thing for him right now, from talking to people close with the program, is just being more consistent, being able to put one good day after another. That's his big thing right now. That's his big thing. Certainly bringing in guys like Eddie Lewis through the transfer portal, it creates more traffic in that wide receiver room. And look, you look back maybe, I don't know, even two years ago, then you go back three, four, you can keep going back. South Carolina, from a depth standpoint, from a depth standpoint at wide receiver, they really haven't had the talent. They've had talented wide receivers. They've had talented wide receivers, but it seems like it's usually there's just one guy. There's just one guy that has really made up that room. Right, you look no. at when Brian Edwards was there. You look at when, shoot, Shy Smith, the year he had. I'm talking about one trick pony. Yeah. If you took Shy Smith away, <laughs> even with Debo, Shai, yeah. But 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 my point being is when all those guys were there, it wasn't like a you know. And Brian Edwards, I mean, there was a lot of hype around yeah. Edwards when he came in as a freshman. And goodness, I think that would be what 2016. So. You know, Debo, he left after the 18 season. Um, what I'm trying yeah. to get at is it's that each of those guys really had a breakout year, right? It wasn't like you had two guys that were really just going off. So I, I bring that up because the talent in this room, certainly it starts with Juice Wells. There's no question about that. Juice is arguably, if not the best wide receiver coming back in the conference this season. Um and based on, again, what the offensive line can do, you would expect him to finish towards the top again in receiving yards. I say all that because I would not be shocked if South Carolina is able to produce another top 10 receiving uh, receiving threat this year in, in terms of yards. I don't know. the la- I'd have to go back and look to find the last time that's happened. But my goodness, being able to do that, Again, it goes back to being able to kind of help out with a thin running back room. If you're able to do that, it takes pressure off the running backs. So that's one thing I would say about that. Intern Joe, I know you've messaged me about it. Uh, yeah. Talking about wide receivers, there's actually a wide receiver currently on campus at USC. Yes, there is. Um, what's that? Trajan Bridges, I believe. That's how you say his name. Uh, four, former we'll four-star OU wide receiver. Trajan Bridges um, was on campus. Our guy um, over at USC Talk, Fisher Brewers, shout out to him for noticing that and making it live on or putting it on Twitter. Um, so, I, uh, you know, shout out Fisher for that. But yeah, Trajan Bridges, um, very clearly and obviously on campus today. You know, he was working, doing some work on his iPad by the fountain and then also was at practice and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's. And I something to watch could add more depth at the wide receiver room too. And like, I don't necessarily see a problem with having a bunch of guys in the wide receiver, like a bunch of dudes no. in the wide receiver room and just like having them compete. I mean, no, you know, like may the best man win. We talked about the guy from Memphis. I'm blanking on his name right now. Cause there's so many transfers. Eddie Lewis. 
Uh, yeah, Eddie Lewis. That's why I thought I didn't want to commit to the wrong one. But um, yeah, Eddie Lewis. I mean, we know how talented he is. And so by bringing in, you know, Trajan, I think it just it, it goes on and on and on in terms of talent this wide receiver room could have. And, and may the best man win, right? And you kind of need a platoon, too, at wide receiver because guys are going to be streaky, right? Like wide receivers, it's it's hard to find a really, really, really consistent wide receiver, especially in the SEC. So, um, well, it helps. It helps. Yeah. Obviously, it helps you receive. Obviously, it helps Rattler. And there's but competition. The other, thing, the, other, the other thing, too, it helps is – when Juice Wells lines up, what you want to do is, especially if that running back room is not established early on in the year, going into week one against North Carolina, you want to be able to have a threat on the opposite side that teams feel like they have to make sure they, they take care of. You don't want to just be – and again, this goes back to what I was talking about with Shai Smith. You go back and look at the statistics – Go back and look at the statistics of that season. That would have been, what, 2020, the COVID season? Go back and look at the statistics. I understand. I understand. I understand that Kevin Harris rushed for over 1,000 yards. But from a receiving standpoint, from a receiving standpoint, you had Shai Smith, who was doing it all, outside slot, okay? But when he was lined up on the opposite side of – player XYZ, whoever the hell it was, teams weren't fearing that guy. They weren't worried about him. If you're able to find someone, if you're able to find someone that can stretch the field, if you're able to find someone that can just catch the freaking football, catch the ball, what that's going to do is that's going to force teams to have to put two high safeties out there. And that will be able to open up that run game. It's also going to be able to help out a guy like Juice Wells be able to get more open because it's going to take the team. Teams are going to have to pick their poison, right? Are you going to put two high safeties? Are you going to try to put someone in the box and stop the run if you're able to get that going? It, it just gives your offense more to work with. So again, going back to talking about Landon Sampson, I I don't know when his opportunity is going to be just because there's so much talent in there. But when he does get that opportunity, boy, if he can if he can make the most out of it with just, again, doing the little things. And one thing that I can tell you, one thing I can tell you, that that wide receiver room absolutely loves, absolutely loves, that Justin Stepp loves, stock blocking. If you can block, I mean, it's not even just Stepp. It's also Dal Loggins from everything that Step was talking about last week. If you can stock block, you're gonna find you're gonna find a way to get onto that field. So that's what I would say about that. And staying with wide receiver, Hunter says, "Well, Nick Harbour be the starting wide receiver? No, um, he's gonna be a tight end. And I'm not trying to pick on you, Hunter, but he's gonna come in as a tight end. If you see him out in the slot, I could see them flexing him a little bit. If he starts." Goodness, I'm not seeing him be a starter week one, week two, or anything like that. Um, depends how the season goes on. Obviously, as we've mentioned before, that wide receiver, I mean, that tight end room, you don't have the same experience in comparison to, say, what that wide receiver room or even, I'd say, the quarterback room. You know, you have Doty there, of course, behind Rattler right now. And even some of the guys like Gothier who haven't, 
seen too much time in games. He's heading into his third year. So he have more experience is, is, is the word that I would use. Um, but no, I, I, I can't see that. Um, Big Red says, what about Tonka Hemingway possibly playing a power back in the goal line situation? Is it needed? Or do we have a big enough guy? I think, I think you can never rule out having um, some D linemen play on offense. I mean, I remember Boogie out there, even going back to his Hammond days. He can move around. Birch, of course, and I know he's not here anymore, but we saw him play both ways. Um, I think a lot of that's going to have to do with what Dal Loggins envisions with this offense. But packages, you never, you can never rule out anything as far as that goes. Mac. Dino podcast think Tonka will eventually be playing edge a lot this season. I think that's going to be his natural position in the league in the three, four. If you look at his reps at edge against ND, he looked very fast. Yeah. I think, look, the beauty about Tonka is he's got size, but for his size, he moves so damn well. He moves so damn well. And you look at last year, right? Not, exactly apples to apples but you look at a guy like zach pickens zach was obviously playing inside but zach could freaking move if we were heading into this season and zach pickens was back i would not be shocked to see south carolina use zach on the edge a little bit just because he's quick enough to do that i say that because again i'm not saying tonka and Pickens are the same exact player by no means, by no means. But my whole point is guys like that guys like Pickens guys like Tonka guys like shoot Nick Arjulo. When we were talking about the offensive line guys that bring that versatility, it is such a luxury. It is such a luxury for a coach. So yes, I, I could see Tonka playing a little bit of outside. I could see him also playing inside. I, I think, what USC will ultimately need to do at that edge position is going to come down to the health of some of the guys that are coming back that do have experience in some shape, way, or form. The Jordan Strons of the world, right? The Terrell Dawkins. What are they going to look like coming back this season? And we've mentioned Westmoreland as well, getting work at linebacker as well as the edge position. Um, he's a guy that could be coming in on packages. I mean, it's they have guys that can do it, but what is it going to look like from downs one through three, or one through uh, one and two? Excuse me. That that's the biggest question. You have guys that you can throw out there, and some teams call it their race car set because that's where they have the speed. They put the speedsters out there, the defensive line and edge. For South Carolina, again, they have guys that can move intern, Joe. I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried about who's that guy that you trust on one and two so that when it's not necessarily a passing down and they're running the football, you feel comfortable that can go out there, do their run fit, do their responsibility. The run might be going away from them, and they might be taking on two blockers, but you have confidence in them to be able to do their 111th. They're not trying to do too much. They take on the two blockers. As an old teammate would say, I feel like a freaking traffic cone out here. Sometimes you got to be the traffic cone. Sometimes you're not going to be the guy getting all the stats. Who can do that? 
touchdowns one and two. I think that's the big question when you talk about figuring out that edge. But again, with Tonka, he can move. He can move. He'll be playing some edge. He'll be playing some inside. They'll move him around all over the place. But again, it will depend on the health of that edge room and what they need to do ultimately to be able to put them in a, to put themselves in a good situation to succeed. Yeah, the Tonka truck, Mike. Um, Tonka Hemingway is one of my favorite players on this team. Um, he's just – he's electric. Um, he can really do it all. Um, he's going to start a defensive tackle, I think, alongside with Boogie Huntley. I think that's a given. But, I yep. mean, I, I, I would like to see some edge. Mac and Dino, I appreciate you bringing that up because, you know, um, edge is a position where they do need some depth. And so um, Tonka is definitely quick enough. And sometimes you need a bigger body um, in some of those sets um, to play edge. And I mean, Tonka is also, he's, he's not your stereotypical defensive tackle. He's not the kind of guy that has just a bunch of weight and knows how to move it around. No, he's, I mean, Tonka's built, you know, kind of like an edge. And he, he came in playing edge, um, if, if I can remember correctly. And then they bumped him, put some weight on him and moved him over to D tackle. But I mean, we've seen his quickness, his twinkle toes at Vandy when, um, you know, Kai Kroger threw him the pass. So um, I, I'm a don't big call twinkle. Don't call him twinkle toes. No, that the twinkle back. toe, like, you know, like his, his, his ability to get out in the pass route and, you know, really show his, his speed. I mean, my dad, my dad, my dad, my dad, my dad would rip me when I was in Pop Warner, like my first two years, if I was trying to come up and make a tackle, he'd call me twinkle toes. Um, you know, if you didn't put your head in there and do everything. So that's oh, no. Bring it back to PTSD over here, a, twinkle toes. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a term of endearment back where I come from. It means oh, like okay. Got yeah, Jerry there. Rice doing ballet and Lynn Swan. Uh, yeah, let's keep, exactly. Let's keep exactly. this moving intern, Joe. Who's played longer, Jordan or to carry on? It's been Jordan Strawn. Strawn's been playing since 2017. The crazy thing about that, think about this. Strawn's first year, Strawn's first year was the second to last year for Michael Skarnecchia. Think about that. He came in the year after, and again, he was at a different school. He wasn't at South Carolina to start. But he came in for his college career the year after Perry Orth finished up his, his final year in 2016. That's how long he's been playing college football. Um, that technically would have been Jake Bentley's freshman year uh, if he had not left high school early. Um, pronunciation guide. I'm sure there'll be some that will come out in the, yeah. for the spring game. Um, I'll ask Steve. I was thinking Steve about doing something for Gamecock Central about it. I don't know if it's worth the whole article. I don't know. But you will like, see. I mean, they yeah. come out with some of them in turn, Joe. Maybe we'll put it on the message board or something. So stay yeah. tuned. Tight end room is going to be exciting. SC scout guy. I think there's a lot of potential. And when you think about what we talked about before, Nicholas Harbor to the transfers as well, it's unproven depth you have in that room. And you're trying to figure that out. And once you can figure that out, everything kind of falls in place from there. Uh, Todd mentioned we are missing that big fullback for short yardage. I think, honestly, I think how things will play out in that tight end room will determine what South Carolina will do at fullback. And again, I think it's kind of premature right now to say, okay, we need a fullback, we need this or that, just because we don't know what this offense is ultimately going to look like, mm -hmm. right? 
Um, and Nate Atkins was that guy that was able to play that hybrid of that tight end and fullback. So um, looking at it, Nick Elksness, uh, Nick Elksness is a guy that I could see doing that because he loves blocking. He's going to be a part, a big part on special teams from everything that I've been told. Um, that's a guy to keep an eye on. That's a guy to keep an eye on. Is that what they'll ultimately do with that position with him? I don't know, but that's a guy that I would keep an eye on if it's not this year, next season. Uh, 4-1 Carolina. Denny, home Dude, run. Denny. Hey, Mike. Denny. Andrew Eister. Andrew Eister. We didn't even get Colin the reference Taylor. on Friday night. Yeah. Andrew Eister, Colin Taylor, and I, um, I asked Eister about breaking a slump, and I brought up Denny on foul balls. So is that a bump? Yeah, I, I think so. Coincidence? I think not. Moving right along. Baseball has been exciting. Yeah, it has been. It really has been fun. As a college coach, are you more worried about setting up guys for the NFL or to fit your setup? Ultimately, Big Red, you need to be able to do both, I feel like, because you want to be able – I mean, you think about it. Guys are coming in, and you want to make sure that you're putting a product out there that's going to be best for the team. There's no question about that. The unfortunate reality is this, though. You can't just plug guys in to fit your scheme sometimes, especially nowadays. And I'm not saying I agree with it, but if a kid wants to enter the portal because he doesn't feel like he's being used the right way, he doesn't feel like his skills are being uh, displayed in a manner of which he would like them to, uh, he's going to go elsewhere. So sometimes, as we saw from this past offseason, it doesn't always hurt because South Carolina was able to reload at a lot of those positions. Running back, of course, they're still trying to figure that out because of some unforeseen circumstances with an injury um, that sidelined a career. So I bring those things up because I, I, as much as I want to lean towards, okay, you got to take care of the present, right? You're coming to the University of South Carolina. You're going to college X or university, but whatever. You want to be able to win as a coach and get those players to be at your program, and that's exactly what you want to do. But I think a part of you, you're thinking about that, intern Joe. I think it, it's tough not to acknowledge just because of where the sport is, whether you agree with it or not. Yeah, I think, you know, you're trying to do a little bit of both. you got to play um, both roles because you want guys to develop into pro players because that looks good for your program. But, you know, you want – I think from a football IQ standpoint, um, you know, obviously you're putting them through your offense and stuff like that. And, you know, there's so many teams out there. Um, and I think, you know, in the SEC, it's the closest thing you're going to see to pro ball in terms of yeah. athletes and, and, and body type and whatnot. So uh, I think it's really, 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 really similar in terms of, you know, athleticism and like the type of body that you want moving to the next level. And then I think the rest – it's just, you know, setting up whatever offense. Like, you're going to learn a new offense wherever you do end up going in the NFL. So, Big Red, I think a happy medium is a great, great um, point with that. Um, and obviously, like I said, the SEC is the best conference in football, so it's probably the closest thing. Lenore Sellers, everything that we've been uh, told, that he's been doing a great job uh, with his the role right now. so much weight. He's moving some weight. He is yes. moving some weight. Um Pretty good for a quarterback. Like a Jalen Hurts when you think about just yeah. the weight room. 
Yeah. And Elijah Codwell. Uh, I, I'm interested to see his growth. I mean, it's one of those names right now that we're not going to hear that much of, um, but he's just doing his job. He's doing his job. We talked about just the, the depth at wide receiver right now. Um, I'm interested to see his growth and his opportunities this spring um, in terms of what we hear from scrimmages, right? You know, you have a great opportunity in some of those scrimmages and leading up to the spring game itself to really start to make a name for yourself. And, uh, you know, if you're not getting your opportunities out there from an offensive-defensive standpoint, as we all know, if you want to make an impact on this team on special teams, that's a hell of a way to be able to make a name for yourself. So that's certainly another good opportunity for you. Todd says, how many true freshmen do you see in the two deep this year? Hmm. Todd, I think it's right now, and I'm not trying to dodge your question. I think right now that's tough to say just because I do feel like South Carolina will add a piece or two, if not some more, through the transfer portal um, in the next couple of weeks. And I say that because I know for certain that there's been numerous, numerous players that are interested in joining USC that are currently here in the portal. Um, how those numbers all shake up will determine how many players actually leave and, you know, the needs, do they fit the team? And because of that, I think it's just tough to say, all right, you know, I'll make this up. Okay, you know, safety or corner. All right, yeah, this guy will be here. They bring a transfer in. I mean, that changes everything. And now not just that, but you could have a guy sliding over to a different position, right? I mean, you could have a, a, a corner sliding in a nickel. So I just say, let's wait on that. Let's wait on that. Uh, but as far as true freshmen this year, I think this team's just more established. I Pup Howard, he's been missing some time. He's back out there on the field. I think is, um, you know, Beamer was tent- talking about today. Nothing too serious. Pup would be the guy that I could see being the one that could have the leg up right now um, in terms of seeing time. I'm not saying starting necessarily, but in terms of a two deep. Braswell, just because of the depth at running back, but still I feel like that running back room is going to start to shape up a little bit more as we get closer to August. Um, yeah, I just, again, let's, let's, let's wait. Let's just wait to see how the, any thoughts on that intern, Joe? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, pop is probably the likely choice. Marky Anderson, you know, knock on Marky's another one. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Marky, big tree, just those two guys for being here in January, obviously Nick Harbor, um, would be another true freshman that would be in the two deep to some extent. Um, because I mean, they'll have yep. Harbert tight end, but I think he'll play more as Umail um, Zulu could be another one. Yeah. McLeod. Yep, yep. I, I think yep. again, they have, ta- they, they've brought in some talented players. No question about it. And I think even more, when you look at next year's recruiting class, 2024, they're getting, they're getting so many freaking guys here that have talent. I mean, you could throw in Harbor, right? You think at, at some point he'll be in the two deep, if not a starter towards the end of the season. But I, I think it's, I think you're going to see less and less true freshmen starting at South Carolina and the two deep. I'm not saying you're not going to see any next year, but I think you're going to see fewer and fewer. 
And the reason why I say that isn't because the talent's not there. I think you just look at the talent they've done from a recruiting standpoint. At some point, at some point, you only have X amount of spots, right? You only have 22 spots out there. And then you think about it from a two-deep standpoint, 44. I'm not even talking about special teams. So I, I say that because at some point, push comes to shove, you're only going to have so many opportunities for those true freshmen to get on the field in a two-deep situation. Yeah. Um, I do think there are some guys, though. I mentioned, you know, Yumi Ozulu is one guy that we have not talked about a lot, I'd say, on this podcast this spring. But he's certainly someone that has been doing, I'd say, everything that you could have hoped for so far um, from a spring practice standpoint. You know, gets here early. Um, mm-hmm. And we're talking about being able to add depth at a position where South Carolina's thin. South Carolina's thin right now at edge. That's no secret. That's no secret. And I, I think it's a good point. Carolina Joey, I think it's a good point to bring up Yumi Ozulu just because, again, you think of some of these positions where USC is so thin at, and as I went back to before, Jordan Strawn, right, Terrell Dawkins, two guys that could be starters week one, right? You think at least one of those guys will be starters, if not both. You pray that they can make, make it through the season healthy. You pray. But, again, they're injury prone. So you need to be able to develop guys behind them. And if that room's so thin right now, and you have a freshman, you have a freshman that's on campus right now, on campus, ready to go, you're going to be able to get this guy in a position where he's going to be in the mix. I mean, look, look back to last season. Look back to last season. Nicky Minwari comes in. He had an incredible, incredible fall camp. Incredible. And that was also a thin position where they were at safety. R.J. Roderick was there, but he was number two going into the Georgia State game. And what happened? Roderick goes down that opening drive. Even Worry comes in and kind of Wally pipped him, right? Lou Garrick came yeah. in, and he didn't look back. So I say that because, yeah, I mean, there's a there's an opportunity for a guy like Yumio Zulu to, to make a name for himself. The unfortunate reality, and I really don't want to – keep harping on this because at the end of the day currently he's not on the roster but you know you think of a guy like um montague rames rames was going to be in a very similar situation where he was going to be on campus early he was on campus early and he was going to have an opportunity to get a lot of really good reps as a freshman in the spring that would have been very valuable to him heading into fall camp obviously we know the situation there him as as well as the two other players that aren't with the program right now. Um, Upshaw and Rose, Mike, if I, if I got that right, Upshaw. Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure, and yeah. I, I just want to make sure I'm saying the uh, the players' names right. Um, I like what Todd's saying here about the freshman depth, 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 depth. depth, depth. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Hitting it right on the right on right on Zimone. <laughs> Intern Joe, any uh, final thoughts? I, I, let me take that back. I do want to hit one thing. One thing real quickly. Um, Blake, uh, Blake, 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 Blake Franks 
is going to be making yeah. his commitment on Friday. Is that the thirty first mm-hmm. out of Friday? Um, yes, I believe South so. South Carolina is in the mix to be able to land him. I want to just pull up. I want to pull up the the big board here. The RPM and kind of give you guys an idea of where the crystal ball is leaning towards right now. I've got a hunch. But I want to bring up that. Let's see. Here we go. This is all on on three if you guys want to take a look at this. But Blake Franks. Lizzie Blake Franks. He is the... 10th overall prospect in the state of South Carolina. Uh, I'm going to share the screen here in turn, Joe, so that our viewers can see this one. Make sure I remember which one I had it on. Let's see. Here we go. Share screen. Here we go. So, as you can see with Blake, okay, South Carolina, according to the recruiting prediction machine, Gamecocks, heavy, heavy favorites to land the six foot five, three hundred fifteen pound interior offensive lineman. And look at some of the schools there. Look at some of the schools that he's being recruited by. It's a pretty good picture too. Not to toot my own horn, but whoever took that is but pretty look good at, photographer. But look at this. Look at yeah. this. Okay. This is it's a good old fashioned remember, remember good old Joe Cox, mm-hmm. uh, former Gamecock coach. He was here for a, uh, a cup of coffee. Um, but you look at here, Clemson, North Carolina. And again, when you look at Alabama and you look at Clemson, obviously North Carolina is not in the same hemisphere. But I bring up North Carolina still because – that is when you're talking about Greenville. When you're talking about Greenville, South Carolina, we understand that's Clemson's backyard. But to be able to beat them out for a recruit, if South Carolina is able to land Franks, but to also beat out an in, uh, excuse me, a border state rival school that's not too far from Greenville, that speaks volumes. And look at all the offers he's received. So, again, we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. Greg Atkins, this goes back, and I've had conversations with Greg about the job they've done with a recruiting standpoint. Um, Not specifically about, you know, I'm not going to say about Franks, but just in general, a lot of this goes back to when they arrived here and the job they've done since they got here. And now a lot of that that you're seeing, it's starting to – flourish i mean it's like planting a seed a couple years ago and now it's a big old tree so that's what south carolina has been able to do intern joe and again there's uh two welcome homes that are out there and uh perhaps perhaps one of them will be on friday we'll have to wait and see but frank's of course is out there and the other one too couple just to look at before we wrap things up here, intern Joe. Mm-hmm. Right? 
as we look at South Carolina, excuse me, going back to the state of South Carolina here, Josiah Thompson, okay, he still has not made his commitment yet. And then you look at that, right? Cam Pringle, already committed. Mazio Bennett. These are the top athletes and players. I'm going to say athletes because just players. I don't want to confuse people with position standpoint. These are the top players from the state of South Carolina for the class of 2024. And as you see here, we'll have to wait with Thompson. They could be in a very similar position that they were a year ago with being able to land the top guys from South Carolina. And look at this. Four-star, four-star, four-star. Josiah, of course, the number two player for his position nationally from Dillon. Kelvin Hunter, he's also there. And it looks like that's a heavy favorite for the Gamecocks. So, again, what South Carolina is doing right now is incredible, but a lot of it goes back to what they were able to do a couple years ago when they first arrived here in Turnjo, which was build relationships early and make promises that you feel like you're going to be able to keep. And I'm sure a lot of that is, hey, we're building something special at South Carolina. You'll see it. And that was two years ago. Well, fast forward now, 2023, these players are seeing it. And I think seeing other talented guys, especially from across the state, which reminds me a lot of the Lattimore days with Alshon and Lattimore saying, you know, because Alshon went there, that's why I went there. They know who these other players are. They know who these other players are from across the state, whether it be a guy like Marquis Anderson, right? Guys at Chapin or wherever the hell they are. They know how talented these guys are. and They're going to South Carolina. It only helps USC's odds that much more of landing a very talented and not just a very talented player, but some of these talented players from the Palmetto State for the class of 2024 and beyond. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, they've talked about it, right? This whole staff has talked about the importance of recruiting in state. They want to keep guys home. And we look at, you know, Blake Franks, like he wants to stay home. Like all of the the, the top schools in his recruitment are within, you know, the area of, of Greenville. So, I mean, I think it's in a geographical battle like that, because you're going to get guys, you know, obviously you'll have guys that are willing to go far away from home and whatnot, but like, if you have guys that want to stay close to home, you got to win those battles because we're in the SEC and you have, you're competing against the Clemson, you're competing against North Carolina. Granted, they're not SEC teams, but I mean, every school is kind of littered within, you know, a little hundred mile radius or something like that. So, I mean, it's, it's close, it's tight. So you got to be able to win those and to be able to keep the in-state guys in state is huge. It's how the, you know, they did it in the 2010s and, you know, that's what Beamer's trying to do now. So I think it's, I think it's big. The Blizzy, Blizzy Blake Franks, one of the best nicknames in this recruiting class by far. So be sure to follow Gamecock Central on Friday to see whether or not Blake Franks will be staying home to play for the Gamecocks as well as women's basketball. That is when they will be taking on Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes in the Final Four. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuba. Thank you guys for listening to GC Live Talking Tuesday nights. If you missed any of our program tonight, you can go back over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page and watch this show in its entirety. Or if you're more of a podcast listener or on your way to work or maybe around the office, you can listen to it on the Gamecock Central podcast platform. Have yourself a good Tuesday night, and we'll do it again next week.